0: Where are you right now? I am in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, you
1: are in America's hat. Even better, if you listen carefully around me, shh, shh, Anthony, shh.
0: If I can hear it on Skype, it's definitely going to come through.
1: I'm in the forest in uh, Quebec, Canada right now, in one of the most beautiful places on Earth. It's actually the place where me and my parents meet up every year. We have to do a clap at the end. <laughs> that's I'm that's writing happening.
0: it in the notes. You don't have to <laughs> say it out loud.
1: I know, uh, you did that to me like what two episodes ago? I know, so you, I did it. This yeah, is, this but it is... was it was relevant. <laughs> so uh, so
0: you've been I traveling know. the world.
1: I've been extremely relaxed. Yeah, I've been well relaxed, you've been, like off the grid, but on the grid because you posted like thirty Instagrams a night. Like... <laughs> but that's the easiest creative outlet for photographers ever. Really, honestly. And then
0: you let your Instagrams linger like a week behind you. Yeah. So you were back for like a whole week, and there were still Instagrams happening. So you're just really screwing everyone up with
1: their awareness of where you are. It's really weird, but you, you, I can't... You know that you see these gems in your memory that you, you have to share with people? And you, I can't not do that. Speaking of sharing gems, huh? Wow. Nice. See that? That's pretty nice. good. I know. Professionals. Uh, so there's thing that, th- this thing that's been bothering you and me for I now over a month <laughs> because we've been <laughs> slacking... <laughs> Oh, we've, we've actually been slacking, wink wink. Um, we <laughs> <laughs> it's like inside jokes on inside jokes. It's amazing. We we are both extremely bothered by a phenomenon that affects the people the most vulnerable to, I guess, uh, what would be a good word for that? For uh, not necessarily imposter syndrome. We I think we talked about that already, but for lack of self confidence uh, when it comes to sharing things with the world that's a very summarized version of what we're bothered by uh you have a term that you you've used and i i didn't use so i want to let you say it Uh, what is that term
0: are you talking about zero sum zero sum mentality yes yeah okay so it's the whole thing where if you're trying you're you know you're like oh i should write more yeah but oh i have nothing really unique to write about like i don't have anything to say that hasn't been written before and in that your whole case, thing, that's what we're talking about. Well, that's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> but that whole thing is just, I know it annoys both of us to a point. Yes. But it's the whole mentality that everything, all the ideas have been written, and I have nothing unique to say anymore, so why would I write anything? And that just and gnaws it, at me.
1: it It's terrible because we have the distinct advantage and privilege of being uh, outspoken, loudmouthy type people. Uh, not that we were always like that. I don't know. I wasn't always like that. But it's very difficult to put yourself in the shoes of someone who thinks that way—the the, the zero sum mentality thing—because you either you vanquish that thinking, or uh, you're good at pushing it away, not to think about it, because it's a it's a black pit. It's it's a terrible thing, um, and it's. Sometimes I get hard. it from
0: time to time, but not not like on a grand sweeping scale. I don't want to make it seem like all we're talking about is on the grand sweeping scale where then you don't write anything. Like, Mm -hmm. even about topics. Like, I want to write about this particular topic. Oh, crap. Everyone's written about that particular topic. I must not enter this arena. Right. So it's not not always as large and, you know, it can be small.
1: uh, Allow me to share a... a, a a work example of this, then. Uh, when I was, I think, within the first two months of my working at Code School, uh, there was this thing that we we all did in the office once in a while called Code TV. We just We would just do a screencast on a specific topic that would last between 5 and 15 minutes. And the idea was just to help our students between the classes and the courses that we were teaching them that were more in-depth topics uh, to give them a few connective tissue topics like setting up a server or things like that and i did my first one and it took me all night and i was really like sweating bullets to get it right because it was my first video and then the second the idea for the second one came about and the idea was i think a package manager manager called bundler which is actually a really great tool that I learned how to use at the time, actually even before that. But I I really wanted people to understand how great that tool is. So I was really excited about sharing this information. And then as soon as I started to build this podcast, this screencast, uh, I realized that there were so many things about this tool that I didn't know. And almost imperceptibly, as I was trying to work on it, I, I couldn't... Like every time I tried to go back to work on this thing I felt this horrible gnawing fear that I did not know what I was talking about and uh, I shouldn't because as soon as I would put it out someone would say no this is completely wrong and uh, and it would be the very fact that I was wrong on a recorded screencast would mean that I am not a person of value anymore that's it that was it for me <laughs> I would just be that someone would take me up. <laughs> You have no idea what you're talking about. They should fire you because obviously you're not worth anything.
0: So it's similar to this. A couple months back, Katie Kowalson, who is a designer I work with, so she wrote an article a couple months back that was a not super technical designer's CLI toolbox. <laughs> and it was, she went through. She's been getting into like the prototyping workflow at Happy Cog with us on a couple projects, and uh, she went through the command line stuff that she's been using, and. Mm-hmm wrote, like, an intro to what it actually is. Like, super nerdy details, descriptions, definitions. And then she has a section, what this means for me as a designer. And breaks it down to, like... So, for Grunt, she explains Grunt and Task Runners and all this stuff. What this means for a designer. When you hit save, everything updates. (laughs) And, like, breaks it down. Real, like, what what parts of Grunt matters to her? And then Jekyll, what parts matter to her? And all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was a really good... Way to show like it doesn't like your your viewpoint on something is the unique part. Yes, not not the actual. Like I could look up grunt on grunt's actual website, but her viewpoint on what it is and how it works for her is the unique part that I'm looking for. Tell me what it means. And I feel like that was a good. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that I feel like people get hung up that if I'm not writing a groundbreaking article if i'm not writing the next responsive web design article <laughs> yeah like what why am i writing and it's just i hate that because it's like how many times when you were looking up something did you google it read one result and then be done googling that mm-hmm. you always go to like second or third or fourth level or you just keep looking it up like right. you're not gonna just stop after the first one okay because so everyone's the- viewpoint is different
1: that's true. But at the same time, every time this happens to me, every time I have to Google more than once, I see that as a it's going to be it's a hole in the market. <laughs> there there is no proper answer for your specific problem. What if somebody else has the same problem? Write that shit down as soon as you it's can. True. And we had the this the, the same issue uh last Monday. I think I paired with uh with uh Morgan, uh, who works for, uh, with me on the internal team at Code School. and, and we yeah, we, we talked about something, and then I, I can't remember what it was, um, but we didn't understand it. It was confusing to us. and I, I said in a tweet after we paired, "Hey, uh, as soon as you have something that confuses you, you should write it down if you find an answer. You should write, write down the answer so that one, you will never be confused by the same thing. Again, and if anybody else has the same issue, now they won't have 3, five, seventeen skips to do before they get to the answer. They'll have you and they'll love you. Uh, and, I mean, if you want love, that's one way to get it, I guess. But the other <laughs> useful thing is that you're actually helping people. You're, you're producing things. that, are, And if that's the one thing that you think you can't do, help people, then you're wrong. You know, obviously.
0: Did you ever see the XKCD article or uh, comic that was no. called Wisdom of the Ancients? I just put yeah. it in the show notes. And oh, yes, just, I think I've seen it. It's never have I felt so close to another soul <laughs> and yet so hopelessly alone as when I Google an error and there's one result, a thread by someone with the same problem and no answer, last posted to in 2003. Can Who were the... you, Denver Coder 9? What did you see? What and did it's you so see? Great, I, how many times did this happen where you like Google some crazy error message and there's one person talking about it? And if that yeah. person just wrote an article after they solved it, there's pro- it's not, you know, you're not the only other one that's ever Googled this, but everyone sees this one guy's thing. And it's, it's like, you... oh, I don't. I guess Denver coder nine never figured this out.
1: It's your responsibility as a community member to never be like Denver coder nine. To
0: <laughs> to. I really hope Denver coder nine is somebody. Yeah, I hope that's somebody uh, out there.
1: I'm pretty sure he looked at a bookmark and like just used that. But that's a perfect example of how many times do you use the? Okay, so uh, I was I was pairing with another person who's our uh, designer. Designer apprentice uh, on the design team at Code School, and we were working on on internal tools. And while we were, one of my favorite things to do when you're pairing is the same thing: is don't assume that because you're working with somebody more experienced, they don't have. They, they, there's nothing they can learn from you. That's a crazy. It, see, that's another uh, disgusting, no, no, no uh, noxious, noxious, noxious thing that um, that people th- tell themselves when it's not just writing blog posts or writing books or things like that it's just sharing knowledge in general they assume that okay this person has been working in the industry for 10 years and here for five years they i've got nothing to teach them that is wrong as soon as we started working with john he i think he opened off yeah he opened alfred which is a like quicksilver uh, spotlight like search tool for your mac except it's very extensible and he just typed in a bunch of keywords to do a Google search except his Google search was for an error message and his Alfred is set up to specifically only search for verbatim answers and within the last year which is genius because I've so many times in my life I've done this where that's a debugging workflow that you know because you've you've just been burned so many times by articles that were completely outdated so, that, oh, yeah, I found an answer. And it's from, you know, 1999. And you're like, oh, crap. I can't use this. This is probably... <laughs> so, yeah, he, he found this little thing. And I think I badgered him almost in, instantly. And uh, as soon... There you go. He made... I'm going to put this in the show notes. He made a blog post called Filtering Google Results with Alfred. And, and now, thanks to just my annoying him... <laughs> you can use his knowledge that I didn't either. I didn't have either, and I think yeah. The keyword is gy, so like Google Year basically. So uh, oh, you, nice. you can type gy and then your your search term, and boom, it finds it for you, and it's it's really useful. That's a great example. I did a of similar that,
0: thing, um, like a few months back, where I was trying to. I found a command line thing to highlight um, code to put into keynotes. Yeah, you told me about this. And yeah, so I wrote here. I'm posting it in show notes. Also, I wrote an article on a list apart that was just like, here's my pr- my uh, preferred tool to get code out of a code editor into Keynote. Mm-hmm. And I mostly wrote it because the command line, uh, like the line you have to run to do this highlighting, is it's really hard, stupid, and it's, it's all <laughs> these random flags and all sorts of weird stuff that, that I would never remember. No chance I would ever remember this. So I wrote an article so that i could look back at this and i feel like i've re- i've referenced this every time i'm doing anything in keynote so it's just like if you have these things that you think of that you don't think are unique like you, you i guess you take them for granted mm-hmm. and you think ah oh, that's like people could google this and figure it out but you took an hour or two to figure something really cool out that you use in your way somebody else is going to benefit from that so write it down share it because if all else fails you're going to come back to it when you forget yeah and I, I, I feel like that that is so overlooked that like just write down your thoughts to save them for you and other people will find them and find them useful.
1: In the, in the the book Rework by uh, Thirty Seven Signals before they renamed each uh, each other, <laughs> each other to Basecamp. <laughs> uh, there there's a very important thought, and the thought is uh, reuse your byproducts. I think it's called, or just sell your byproduct. And to me, when you're researching for a specific purpose, right, so you're working on a client project or you're working on a product, you 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 get something out of the research because you solved your problem. But the research itself is a byproduct. It's something that you can use for you, not necessarily for your client or for your, your company. You could use it as a way, as you said, to just remind yourself of something really useful you did. Uh, it happened to me too. Like Googling something. This is what happens after several years in the industry. You start Googling for things and you find your own blog post. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? And you're amazed at how feeble your brain is. and And then other people suddenly find you or uh, start conversations with you because you've helped them in a really random way that you don't remember because you wrote that weird blog post about, I don't know, line endings in Ruby or something like that. Uh, you know, things like that. And th- it's also a great tool to fight this, uh, I think it's a related problem, it's the, the problem of uh, writing, the problem that everybody I see who's not blogging at the time, I think you are on a roll right now, which is s- so cool to see. <laughs> But we both... Actually, we're both on a roll right now. And it's not because... I don't know if it's because of this podcast. I don't, so we have things to reference. Or it just gives us more ideas. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's the momentum thing. So if every time you're going to do research for your job, whatever your job is, I think most jobs you have to research things. And then the solution you find is nice. But the path to the solution is also very important. Very interesting to see. Like if... Is a completely weird example but if you have a blog and you exert and you exert and you exert some critical thinking on that blog and you apply to work for a company that creates uh, online learning you know uh, experiences and software and I happen to work at that company and I hear that you're applying to work with people on my team and I see this Series of blog posts in which you demonstrate a capacity for searching things, understanding problems, and narrowing the results and filtering things, you're going to get the job because I can tell you're thinking on your feet, you're documenting your progress, you're uh, diligent about, okay, was this the best result, and things like that. It's just, it shows so much promise when you see people do that. But it, it That's also. That's a really good does... point.
0: Right. I never really thought about that because whenever you're. I don't know, in your case, if you're finding people to work with, you can never really find a way to have them prove their thought process to you. Like, you can not You can sort of get that from code reviews, but not to the point at which you can get it from writing. Like yeah. Writing communicates thought process. And I never realized it in that. I, I mean, I've subconsciously realized it, but I never realized it, you know, going out of my way to think about it, that being able to read through someone's writing teaches you a lot about how they think and can teach you a lot about what it would be like to work with them.
1: It's pretty cool. Yeah, that actually triggers a pet peeve uh, of mine. I, I will. I I'll just try to keep this tangent short. Um, and it's related to, to this. Take note t- of
0: the time code. Take note <laughs> of the time code.
1: It's it's related to the zero sum mentality because I just I just talked about hiring. So I, in a way, I'm consistent. My digression is consistent. <laughs> My my pet peeve of the month is hiring processes or processes. A lot of tech companies are very very afraid of. (laughs) It's consistent. My a lot. What does that uh, sound like? Right, a lot. A lot of tech companies are are very afraid of hiring the wrong people. Uh, Most of most of the time, it's because they they're small teams. And if you hire the wrong person on a small team, it creates a lot of havoc. There's a lot of tension. It's it's not comfortable to it's not comfortable to uh, to actually fire someone. It's not easy. It's not an emotionally you know zero sum thing. Uh, it drains you. It creates, you know, a lot of you know scar tissue on the team. So people have come up with ways to parse interviewees and um, to parse uh, people who apply for jobs in a way that just is systematic and, to me, not very you know human. They end up having rounds of interviews or you know phone call screenings and things like that. Whereas, as you just mentioned, and I want to rebound on what you just said, you can get a lot about someone. By simply looking at the way they write, and now I'm not talking about writing code. Like a lot of people are going to say, "Okay, if they if they're coders, they're de- designers." I want to see them design something. No, no, no. I want to see them think about h- how they work, and see how they do that. And I think even without meeting meeting them or with, with a brief conversation on the phone, you could tell that they're they're actually the same person who were who was you know writing these thoughts cuz you know the voice matches up and you can tell that they're not just um they're not just someone who's really strange in person they're also the same person that you you uh, read and to me that's a very important thing and too few jobs i think there's very very few jobs in the world that don't involve a lot of writing especially these days and so many interviews so many hiring processes don't even take that into account there's a bunch of email exchanges but never any kind of like long form or medium form writing beyond a tweet so that was my that was my pet peeve i wish people would paid more attention about writing cuz it's so essential i think the
0: well i think people do and those are generally the people you like working with <laughs> that's true especially if this is your if this is your uh thought process around this thing right cuz i know i know a lot of times Throughout my years at Happy Cog, when we've hired somebody, the first thing most of us do is start, or when, even when we're interviewing them, is start Googling them, and then we're eventually finding a way to their writing, if there is any. Right. And that informs a lot of what we go into an interview with. I you think know, this surprises we, people. We look at their work, but we, we stalk out their blogs and th- their writing a lot more, because that's it does word. teach you a lot more about them.
1: Yeah, But that's the word, Which though. Which is the word, stalk or writing? No, the, the stalk, because... <laughs> It's so. Some people say that and are ashamed of the doing that of of stalking. I, I call that stalking your prey in in the opposite sense. So when you're looking for a job, you should be stalking your prey. So you should be stalking the the companies you're trying to work for, and understand how they write, what's their voice, what are their companies employees' voices, and stuff like that. But this perspective you're you're talking about it. I mean, of course, people are going to look at you in every possible way they can because they're going to be living with you most most of their daily lives are going to be spent with you working on the same team projects and things like that their livelihood's going to sort of depend on you not directly but they'll have to rely on you so they want to know who you are and that the fact that that's creepy or weird to some people is is understandable but at the same time it it seems a lack of empathy right it's like not understanding that it's easier and it's more reassuring that way especially so people who have no presence are really hard to deal with because it's understandable that you may not be outspoken right but how what do I (laughs) I don't know how to gauge you so you're gonna have to have you know awkward conversations maybe and or uh, you just try them on for a while but, yeah, it's very different.
0: I like that we've taken this from you don't, like, you have a unique perspective to just write all of the things down. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, like, I, that is my philosophy around things. It's just, I don't know. I remember a couple years back, I think it was at Front End Conf, um, Cameron Mall was speaking. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said something to the effect of, if you want to be known, write. Yes. And that's, like, I, I don't know how not everyone sees that as the most true thing ever because all day we spend tweeting links to articles and things that people have written. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that we all follow and and learn from. And I, I get frustrated when I know there's one particular human at happy cog who I give a lot of crap to because I know he writes a shit ton of stuff and doesn't publish it anywhere.
1: Oh God.
0: He writes it as his own thought process kind of thing. And I'm just giving him crap every day to publish his stuff somewhere. And, uh, it just drives me nuts because his stuff. When I've read parts of his writing, it's like, oh my god, everyone needs to read this because this is brilliant I'm insight. Pretty sure and I, I, know I can't wait. Does. I know he's getting clo- He's getting real close to uh, to posting this. So I'm I'm excited that if he finally does it, I'll be tweeting about it and talking about it on here a lot because he'll have a lot of good fodder for conversation.
1: Okay, I'm not going to say who I think it it is, but I'm pretty sure I know who I think it is. Uh, I don't know. The the the, okay. So the the thing with with this though, that's just a rebound on this because I I mentioned John and his uh, his blog post about searching Google. When John told me, I think when we when we talked about this first thing, the first reaction I when I told him, "Hey, you should blog about this. This is a really good tool," he said, "Well, I'm paraphrasing for us." (laughs) <laughs> i paraphrasing to make him seem more, you know, not excited about sharing things. But he says something like, well, I have like 10 drafts. And I say, whoa, 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 shh, 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 stop talking. Why do you have 10 drafts? Not even people who write for t- the New York Times have 10 drafts. Like nobody needs 10 drafts. Keeping 10 things organized and, and, and progressing through a year because okay so a lot of people imagine that you you necessarily have to write the whole blog post or the whole article whatever you write to have to write the whole thing down and publish it no, you don't have to. you can you can start writing it and usually don't just write the title that was something that uh, somebody said on Twitter. As a, as a piece of advice, I think, when, I, when we both were raging about zero-sum, I think, on Twitter, uh, someone said, oh, at least write the title down. No, 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 no. No. If you write the title down, you'll have a list of 100 titles by next year. And I have one. I can show you mine, if you want. I've never, ever written down one of these articles because I don't go back to see that list. I just, If something pisses you off, just, or you have an epiphany, you need to at least start one paragraph. At least. And I say one paragraph because that's what I found. Whenever I come back to something and I see one paragraph, there's the seed of the idea. It kind of reminds me of the rage. So I can I <laughs> I can put myself back in like angry Olivier shoes and, you know, hulk it out, basically. This is definitely yeah,
0: this is what I do. I mean if I if I'm walking around somewhere and I'm just I think of something that would be interesting to write about, I I use Vesper as my notes app. I write whatever the title is in the little bold area and then I just write nonsensical run-on sentence of all the (laughs) thoughts that I'm thinking about that topic that make no sense in that order Mm -hmm. but I just put them all there everything I'm thinking if they're just like random little shards of a sentence that I would use later just write it down and I have this little note that I go back to and it's just all these things that spark more writing later but it's I think it's that like that's how I start you know that's Everyone needs their own starting process because starting is the hardest part. Pe- most people will just write a title down and then sit there and stare at the page and be like, I don't know what the first sentence should be. And it's like, well, you're not going to figure out the first sentence right when you start writing. You're probably going to start in the middle. Like, Not saying that you probably will because that's the best flow, but if you just started writing about that topic, what would come out would be in the middle of your post. And yeah. I feel like that, whatever your starting process is, you just got to get yourself up and running With writing, and you'll you'll fine tune the beginning and the end later. So I I don't I don't know I've never done ten drafts in my life (laughs) (laughs) of anything (laughs) of anything I don't know how maybe he's maybe he thinks what makes a draft is like a typo fix is a new draft for him maybe he's got a very weird
1: definition of draft. No, I think I think there are actually things that he's polished, and and the problem is that it's just like
0: you're saying ten individual, not like ten.
1: No, no, I'm saying ten drafts of
0: the same post of one thing.
1: No, no, no. I'm saying oh, 10 man. drafts are 10 different things. Oh, that's totally different than what I thought you meant. <laughs> no, yeah. But, it. it I right. mean, what, what got that's, out of you is, is just as valuable. Uh, t- to me, The well, let's talk about the starting part. The starting part, uh, there's a really... I don't know if that's the blog post, but um, Merlin Mann, who's a, a podcaster, a blogger, really uh, lovely person, wrote a blog post, I think, is... I think the blog post was called Making the Clackety Noise, which is one of my favorite things ever. Um, But I don't think that's the blog post. There's another one where he talks about his dad. And that's a really poignant blog post where the, the basic gist of it is I started out wanting to write about... Uh, sofas. (laughs) It's a terrible example but I, I had this rant about sofas and I wanted to be funny and while I was writing my fingers took me somewhere else and repeatedly when I start writing something that pisses me off on Twitter or I find a draft and I want to polish it into something to be done and published I find this thing that happens with my fingers where I will digress like I do on this show and the digression will be more interesting than the original thought. And this is something that you get from shut shutting the fuck up and putting your fingers down and typing. And and that's the thing, like whenever he I think discusses advice for writing, the advice is repeatedly the same. Shut the fuck up, turn off this thing and write. That's the thing you need to be doing. Uh you di- you don't need to be doing ten drafts, not to harp on John forever. You don't need to be polishing every single one of those drafts. If if you haven't published something since the last month you need to be writing, finishing it, and publishing it. And if someone needs to review it, you know, make it quick. Like I, I generally tend to, these days, that's another trick uh, to push you to, when you don't have the confidence to pu- push the publish button, is to just send it off to a friend. So for, in your example, I, I use you re- repeatedly as a sounding board to say, okay, what, does this make sense? Like, is this completely stupid? Or is this a, a, full of typos and I can't see them or something like that? Um, my friend Terence does that too. Like he sends me, uh, I think Ruby Core meaning uh, transcripts and stuff like that, and I just go through them and and look at them and see if they make sense. And I'm like, yes, this is great. You should publish this. This is great. Or I have a few edits, and I'll just edit them in line really quickly.
0: So this is all sort of related. I like it. That I think a lot of our procrastination is you know of of writing or finishing a draft is that we think we don't have. A unique, like, take on the idea. Mm-hmm. But do you remember, like, a year ago or two years ago, when <laughs> every designer that you've ever known started posting pictures of their desks? Yes. Like, literally a photograph of their desk? Well, not do you, literally. Do you think...
1: But d- I see you don't you remember
0: mean. that?
1: I, what, I you, remember them that posting a picture. That
0: was a it. very long stretch of time when every designer I've ever known, not everyone, but <laughs> a lot of them, Posted pictures of their desks. Not saying that's bad. My point uh-huh. is, the second or third person who did that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they could have said, "Oh man, someone's already posted a picture of their desk." <laughs> like, I. This is not. I shouldn't do this.
1: I like where you go. But
0: the point is that people loved that. Yes. People loved that shit. Like, oh, I wonder what kind, what color desk he has. It's probably a wood. Oh, look, she's got a nice light wood one. But mm-hmm. people love that stuff. But after like three times, it got pretty old. But nobody cared because the people that were into that wanted all of it. Like they they I want all of it. So
1: never got old for if me. That, if that's
0: not if that's not like if there's people that are posting their picture of their desk and they're the twelfth or thirteenth person that's done it, you can write the blog post that mentions the same ideas as two or three other people have done.
1: There's there's so, a, a there Reddit go. a Reddit for you for the specific issue. There is a Reddit <laughs> subreddit. Called. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. I think it's pressure washer porn. Uh, got That's not it. at all what I thought you would say. No, it's it's great because it's it's. I think it's sidewalk porn or something That's like not that. that. The idea is people who uh, are so interested in or just so satisfied by the sight of a a sidewalk with one side cleaned and the other side dirty or the aftermath of a cleaning or something like that. Just people love this so much. I think Reddit is a good place to to get a good boost of non zero sum. Cause you <laughs> there always will be someone who will get off and I don't mean you know obviously necessarily in a sexual way, but just will be excited about seeing something that you think is completely boring, like your sidewalk. So that's the low that's the low threshold. That's how low it is you just share a picture of your desk or your your newly freshened sidewalk and someone on the internet will love the shit out of you if you start writing thoughts actually constructed constructed sentences and hopefully intelligible again you don't have to be the best writer ever on the first thing you publish as as Anthony mentioned earlier this is one of those things where the ambition levels is always it's always really strange because before you've ever had, like, more than five blog posts on your blog, you're always... That's your goal. You want to be, like... You want to write as well as... Oh, what's a good... Like, you know, um Daring Fireball. You want, you want to write as well as John Gruber does when he goes on a rant. No. John Gruber's been doing this for ten years every single day. And he's not writing features every single day, but he's writing every single day. And he has most of most weeks he has three or four four posts every day. That's a lot of writing. That's a lot of curating, organizing thoughts, uh, correcting, editing, and stuff like that that you haven't done because you haven't stopped, you haven't started writing at all. So, start writing.
0: (laughs) I think people, I I also, I guess before I started writing regularly, part of the procrastination was, oh, well, I'm going to write this and it's probably going to suck. Yeah, but that's like I look back at the first article I did on list apart, and it's like I cringe at what I like. I don't know. There was just certain parts in it when I was like, "What are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? Yeah. Why did you do that?" And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not. Nobody called me out on that, on that particular part that I'm worried about. You know, people yeah. found value in other places, and the whole thing where there's like a silent minority. Or silent majority of people who are appreciating stuff that you're putting out there, and a very yeah. vocal minority of people who are trolling your articles or anything like that. That was, a, but that was I mean, a, I it's a tweet just, recently. It's, I'll try to know. find it. Yeah, somebody was somebody was going around with that kind of tweet that most of the internet loves your like loves what you're putting out there. But right. my point is, I wrote a thing and it sucked because I looked at it a year later and I thought it sucked because I've changed how I work in the last year. But I could just go and write another thing now. But nobody's gonna. Nobody went back to that article, and found the one particular thing that was pretty dumb. Looking back, <laughs> and is like raving about it every day about how stupid that was. Like <laughs> that's not a thing that happens. But for some reason, when you start writing, you're like, oh, people. If I get this one part wrong, people are gonna give me crap for a year about this, and that's just not true. We have a very short attention span for yeah. things like that. So, the, the I, I don't. I, that's another thing that makes us procrastinate. And I feel like if you can eliminate the largest ones of those, which is I have no unique perspective. People might think I suck. I don't know what the other ones are we listed, but we probably listed two or three others. If you can just forget about those for like 10 minutes and write (laughs) the thoughts that you're thinking about a particular topic down, you'll have pretty much 90% of a blog post written. Mm -hmm. So I mean, maybe for you, it's only like 10%. (laughs) That's
1: very (laughs) true. Considering the word length... Well, here's uh, the, see, but what your your jab is actually very useful for me. Is it's, it's uh, something that I've been working on as I've <laughs> been practicing blogging. Is just reducing, reducing, reducing the amount of words that I use to describe things. And uh, even though I do it, I'm actually a proponent of the less, you know, fewer words and less fancy words to express a thought. And this is why I swear. This is why I try to be more approachable. Is that I think if you're going to share an idea. It doesn't have to be fancy to be effective and useful to the rest of the world. As long as it's coherent, that's the only thing you have to go for is like just basic syntax and please typographical you know, clarity. So you don't have to not ever make a typo, but if it's a string of typos, then consider asking a friend to review your stuff because yes, if I read a blog post by you, I'm not going to go there and say, oh, you made a typo here in every line. But it does it does show that you're not very attentive to details if you publish a blog post with five typos every paragraph. Um, I guess that's the only thing. It's such an obvious little thing, though. You can have, I mean, there's, there's services like that, but you don't want to pay someone, just ask a friend or ask anybody on the internet to review your blog post. Which is something that I've started doing after years of not working on the feeling inadequate to do that. <laughs> is that is that the one how to be wrong on the internet?
0: Uh, yeah, I just posted a link that uh, I bring this. I bring Brent Simmons' blog up every day or mm-hmm. every show that we do on this. But he wrote a post a couple weeks back, how to be wrong on the internet, <laughs> and his point was that like. I think the best line in there was blogging is for me part of the process of getting to the truth. Like he doesn't, he doesn't go into writing to be right. He just starts writing Mm -hmm. and he either figures out what he's trying to figure out through writing it. And then he doesn't actually post it because he's already figured a thing out or he posts it to let people know how he figured it out Mm -hmm. or he never figures it out and writes a thing. And then somebody says, Hey, you're wrong because X, Y, and Z. And he learns from it and then writes another thing about how he learned from it. And it's like he's got he's completely gotten over the fear of that most people have about being wrong on the Internet because he realizes like he's going to learn from it. And I I guess most of this is just about fear, really, because we say lack of uniqueness or whatever, zero sum mentality. But it's really just fear of being non-unique or being wrong or anything like that. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just a thing that you have to force yourself to do it to really get over it.
1: Yeah, here's here's an example of screwing up. There you go, being wrong in the internet. I I posted a, a tiny blog post called "Jumping Between Words in the Console" because I'm 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 amazed and annoyed when I'm working with someone or collaborating with someone and they they manually move their arrow keys between words or like not words but letters <laughs> uh, to delete something or just to to go back to the beginning of a sentence because there's a way to turn on basically character uh, word jumping inside of most people's text editor and text editors and and terminals and things like that. So I wrote a blog post about it and I just had a few steps to turn it on in some terminal applications for OS X and stuff like that. And of course, I was wrong. (laughs) Uh, Within a few days, I think someone had sent me an email, a very nice, thoughtful email, where he, what, there you go. It was uh, Thiago, and I don't have his last name, at Audios. he says hi hi olivier i just read your blog post jumping between words in a the console there is a, a way to move the cursor in the console with the mouse just do option plus click so that's nice i knew that but you know you never know maybe i didn't know that and i would update the blog post to be more useful and then he explains to me that in iterm the other app that i described the setup is much more simple than you described boom not this guy was not just pointing down, like kicking me down, and pointing and laughing. He was actually trying to help me. And this is what happens when you're wrong. People don't necessarily laugh at you unless they're dickheads. But you know, <laughs> fuck these, fuck these people. I feel like I've said that before on this podcast. Like, I think so. I think I feel like we're looping
0: back around already. But
1: but I mean, yeah. If people are going to do that, then d- d- forget about them. It, it, if, it, yeah, it, yeah, if someone's that bad, that's what the block buttons for. Exactly. Just have fun. That block button's satisfying,
0: but because mo- there's like ninety other people who will be the helpful person that will email you and say you could just
1: you can just click with option,
0: right? And even if and it's they're that's fine, not you're there. not gonna be mad at them for helping you out,
1: right? And, if, and you'll feel slightly embarrassed for a second, but then you realize, hey, you can credit them in your blog post, they'll be happy about it, and then you'll be happy about it. Because you've actually made something more truthful, to, to Brent's point. You've achieved a more true answer than you had before with your blog post. So, I don't know. I feel like the the problem is that, yes, sometimes people are going to be nice emailing you and doing things like that, and then sometimes it's just, just not going to... So what do you say to people who say, oh, I gave a talk and nobody had feedback? Just no feedback whatsoever. Not negative, not positive. Because I have, I have a few people saying that to me.
0: I, I, all right. So no feedback generally means people liked it but didn't have any strong feelings on it or you didn't make them angry enough to have feelings about it.
1: <laughs> okay. so you But were, they generally liked it. You were beige. You need to be less beige.
0: No feedback is a good thing. No feedback is you made sense. Nobody had any questions but nobody's really sure where to go from here right which is i I don't know it's good i mean you added you added value Mm -hmm. unless they walked out early and they didn't have anything to say (laughs) yes but even then who cares i don't know i've never had i've never had zero feedback i've had both ways where like people came up and asked questions about why i did a thing because they think it was strange Mm -hmm. or they ask why i did a thing because they thought it was cool yeah i've had both of those
1: I've had, I've had to deal with people uh, sometimes uh, who who didn't feel like enough feedback was given to them. It wasn't necessarily zero, but they would find... See, this is part of the zero-sum paradigm. Uh, because, they, because they feel like they weren't so unique or they weren't so interesting while they were delivering their talk or writing their piece, they will explain away the few people that actually give them feedback. It's crazy. It's this, this crazy thing where they'll be, oh, well, they'll no, they give me feedback because there was a typo here. And uh, although they said my talk was great, there was a typo on the 31st slide or something like that. And they what get you, caught up
0: on that instead right. of
1: really listening to what they were saying. Which is crazy because the reason why this person said there was a typo on the 31st slide is because they needed an icebreaker and they didn't have the courage to just go up and say, you know, hi, your talk was great. Most, you know, awkward people will 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 say things like that. They'll find some kind of icebreaker that just isn't as hard to say. Like, hi. Uh, did you notice that? You know, um, you can do this, and then they'll say, "But I, I really like your talk." Or they they won't even say that, but you know, they want to help you because they don't. They don't, they haven't discarded you as an idiot. They wouldn't try to help you if they had. You know what I find weird, is that people
0: no. sometimes think that. Writing is scarier than speaking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's not that's not true. No, because writing you at least you write a thing. I feel like we may have talked about this before. You write a thing, you post it. Mm-hmm. If somebody hates you, mm-hmm. you're not going to see them doing that. You're not going <laughs> to see them being like visibly upset at what you're saying. If you're speaking, you're looking them right in the face, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're going to know. I, I, this is I don't know. It's something I always found funny was that writing could be scary. Mm -hmm. because there's like this wall of anonymity between you and whoever's reading your stuff i just thought that was like if you if you want to speak you need to start writing first because it helps you articulate your thoughts it helps you get over that little bit of fear of being wrong or being unique or whatever that fear is if you start writing and you'll get that stuff out and then you'll be a lot more comfortable like getting into speaking itself
1: yeah, and you if there's something that you feel so strongly about that you keep writing about it, then you know that maybe you should speak about it because it's something that just it sticks there. It's it's something that exactly either riles up people when you talk about it writing it down, that maybe you can have an impact by a bigger impact by by making a, a talk out of it. The,
0: the, I or guess even I, people you'll people will read what you're writing and, and send you a message and say, Hey, I really liked your thoughts on this particular topic. Would you want to speak at this little meetup I'm running or a conference I'm running? I think you would be a good fit. I've had that happen a lot, where like some little idea I wrote about Mm -hmm. turned into like, "Hey, come out to this meetup and talk about this stuff." Wow,
1: that's really cool. Uh, What another thing that uh, it? uh, I guess the opposite of that is if you have a really uh, the thing that you really give a crap about, and you want to just you, you just want to share your point of view and you've went over the bump of the hump not the bump the the hump of actually uh actually writing it down and feeling like your opinion matters there there's a weird thing that people expect necessarily is that this will happen they expect that uh now that it's written down on a website even though nobody has ever heard of the website then the world now should just f- come to them and they forget that <laughs> Uh, There's nothing dirty about asking for feedback or just sharing your stuff actively, not, you know, not sitting down there and and waiting for people to come because people don't know about you. Uh, They'll find you maybe if you have decent, you know, uh, search engine ranking, if you're lucky and the keywords line up, right? It's like the stars, the keywords (laughs) line up to to make their path to you. But most of the time, it's going to be things like, hey person that influenced my thinking what do you think about this article that i wrote Uh, that's kind of a weird phrasing but it's happened just i've had moments i think where i i was thanking somebody for inspiring a thought and they thought it interesting and then either retweeted it to the people that followed them or just like gave me feedback which is just as valuable as retweeting it like if i get feedback from someone that i admire or that inspired Some kind of useful thing in my head that'll be great. That that's great reinforcement, and then you'll get to that point where you you actively share these thought with other these thoughts with other people, and you don't feel wrong necessarily sharing them, and and you get to actually make a talk proposal, which uh, again. Not everybody's going to offer you, a just little conference. Why don't you come talk talk here? You might have to, okay, this is a conference about open source. I have this really interesting thing that I'm doing that's very important, I think, to open source projects. I hope, I wish people would care about this. Then just, just apply. Just write a little blurb summary or just use your blog post as a sounding board where you just send it the blog post and say I want to write a a talk based on this blog post what do you think and that's it you might be in the door so I like
0: what you're saying because the number one way to get over fear of writing or fear of publishing thoughts or anything like that is to write a thing and to send it to somebody that you admire and that you follow and that you value their thoughts Mm -hmm. because if you have like you could have 30 people read your article that you've never met before and it wouldn't be you wouldn't get as valuable feedback from them because you don't know them you don't know what their thoughts are or yeah, what if, kind of developer designer they are yeah. anything like that not that it's not valuable but you just no, don't it feels nice, you don't know but them it's short term yeah yeah but if you write a thing and send it to somebody that you admire their work or anything like that and they read it and give you some feedback or show some sort of approval i guess right that means a lot more and you get over your fears that much quicker like that is that is a definitely a fast way to just get over the fear of, of publishing thoughts
1: and if you ever get into the position of having people who do that to you, please remember to be kind and and don't spare the compliment or the encouragement or the retweet. It's not going to cost you much to retweet somebody yeah. who has less of a voice than you have. Uh, this is something that, that I regularly do when I notice something that just somebody else has a smaller access to... People and feedback than I do, and instead of saying, "Hey, this person wrote this really cool thing," which is, I guess, a really huge endorsement, uh, you can simply do a retweet. You can simply favorite their thing and then actually read it when you get time to, and then go back to it and then share it with people. Like it's it's a really nice thing to do, and it it's crazy how little things like that changed lives because. If I remember correctly, Neil deGrasse Tyson did that with Carl Sagan, wrote him a fan letter, and uh, asking him about all sorts of questions, and Carl Sagan invited Neil deGrasse Tyson to come visit the observatory, where, or I, I, I don't know where he was working at the time, but he just basically invited him over uh, on a weekend, and like parent permission and all that stuff, and I think he picked him up at the station or something like that to to give him a tour of whatever uh, amazing laboratory he was working in. I'm not sure exactly if I remember this correctly, but I think that was in Cosmos. You're you're, think.
0: You're, mo- you're pretty much Yeah, you're like 90% yeah. right probably. Right, I cool. don't remember the other 10% you probably got wrong, but it's close <laughs> enough for the story.
1: Yeah, and th- and that's that's what matters. Like this kind of um taking care of a, a of a of a tiny faint candle you know, candlelight, kind of uh can sometimes turn people into f- just devoted The next pr- thing. Right, the next thing and they'll they'll there's just that act of kindness that will keep going. They'll just find somebody else to to, to help feel better about their work and stuff like that. And there's so many people waiting out there in the I don't know if it no I'm not read really t- trenches. I guess I'm in the woods so I'll just say in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> in the woods of Twitter. They're just uh, they're just waiting to just blossom into very thoughtful speakers and thinkers and people like that. And this is okay. So this is the thing that that I've become more aware of recently. Is just the fact that there are so many amazing points of views and so many different kinds of personalities around uh, that you can learn from. Just. Just how micro workers think about problems differently than I do is always enlightening, and sometimes I wish more people had the chance to see and hear what they, how they think, and not not all of them do this sharing, uh, not because they're selfish, but because they don't think, as you said, that it's worth it, or they don't have time to. Uh, but in a, and sometimes I guess you, it's important when you can to take a few steps back. And think about what you did and how you did it and share it with somebody else.